Okay, we are beginning a series on, in a companion with the book, uh, The Art of Neighboring. I hope you looked at it or, or got it. Uh, you know, different churches have different philosophies on how to do that. Um, you know, sometimes they, if they're going to use a book, they'll try to get everybody on board. And, and you want everybody on board, but if you just do it with hype, it's not going to matter anyway. So I, I pray that the Holy Spirit has... Uh, nudged you to get the book, and if not, that it will, because it, it makes you think. It's not just a book about how to reach out. It, it gives you some practical um, advice and steps how to reach out to your neighbor, but the theology, the message behind it, that, it's, that we need to be serious, that when, God said, when Jesus said, love your neighbor, uh, in the story of the Good Samaritan, help your neighbor, it wasn't metaphoric. It, he, he means help your neighbor. And just think how the world would change if we just started in our one little piece of the world and we're serious about caring and loving for those around us. Um, and so it, it, it's a good book that makes you think about the mission that we're called to and about the teachings of Christ. So I hope that you get it. Maybe your groups that you're a part of are participating in it uh, because it's going to go hand in hand uh, with our sermons. And actually the scriptures are from out of the back of the book and the questions that go along with them. So it'll be the, the over the next six weeks, I think it is, we'll be focusing on the scripture as well as some of the things, the, some of the teachings uh, from the book, Okay. All right, let's pray. Dear Lord, I pray that uh, you would uh, cover me with your spirit, that the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart would be pleasing to you, and that each person would receive what you have for them here today. In Jesus' name, amen. Scripture comes out of Acts chapter 17, uh, beginning in verse 22. Paul stood in the meeting of the Areopagus and said, People of Athens, I see that in every way you are very religious. For as I walked around and looked carefully at your objects of worship, I even found an altar with this inscription, To an unknown God. So you are ignorant of the very thing you worship. And this is what I'm going to proclaim to you. The God who made the world and everything in it is the Lord of all heaven and earth and does not live in temples but by human, or built by human hands, and he is not served by human hands as if he needed anything. Rather, he himself gives everyone life and breath and everything else. From one man he made all the nations that they should inhabit the whole earth, and he marked out their appointed times in history and the boundaries of their lands. God did all of this so that we would seek him and perhaps reach out to him and find him, through he, though he is not far from any one of us. For in him we, le we live, we move, and we have our being. As some of your own poets have said, we are his offspring. This is the word of God for the people of God. So you read, you can look anywhere and find um, 
news about how people, uh, just in, in general and culture, not just our culture, but I think throughout the world, but especially in our culture, have become more and more isolated because of the pandemic. Uh, the, the mental illness has increased. Depression, suicide, drug use, uh, mental illness of all kinds. All of that has increased. Um, and then you throw in that isolation, which either has been caused by that or is causing that. Um, and so you read that anywhere you look today. But the truth is, that was, that was beginning before the pandemic. The pandemic has definitely accelerated it, but through over time, we have seen that we become increasingly, increasingly isolated. If you talk to grandparents or great-grandparents, you talk about time, they talk about and reminisce about times they were, would sit on the porch or there would be people out in their um, front lawns and visiting and, and parties and, and different things of the neighborhood. They were, they were more connected. Nowadays, you, you go through a neighborhood and you see if the windows are open, in, in all these different rooms, bedrooms, living rooms, family rooms, whatever they might be, you see all these blue, this blue light, you know, right? This blue screen shining, and everyone's in different rooms. And so we are becoming, as a people, as a culture, more and more isolated. And that's not just from the pandemic. That's started before the pandemic. And it makes it hard. I, when, I, when I think about evangelism and reaching out to people, you know, one of the things I have a heart for is kids that are in hard situations. Uh, but th than anybody. Yeah, I grew up with, with a divorced mom, and, and I know what it is to kind of want and to be in need. And um, I mean, it wasn't in, in fearful and looking at other kids with, other, with whole families. And so I, I think about that, and then kids that I've seen in situations that are hurting and suffering, and you just read some stories, and you know if that one rose to the surface or got out, what about all these other kids around the world that are in desperate situations? And then you add on the adults in the increasing isolation, and I just think, we know they're out there. We know people are hurting. We know people are suffering. How do we find them? That, that's the biggest issue. There's a lot of people that just don't care. We live for ourselves. But there are some that care, but you can't find them. And so that's one of the things that was attractive to me about this, this, um, this book, the simplicity of it. And it, it talks to us about how, how do, we, do we really know our neighbors? Jesus says, love your neighbor as yourself. In the good story of the Good Samaritan, he says... Um, serve your neighbor. And so, as we look at this in our scripture, Paul, one of the things, there's a lot of things about this text, but one of the things that connects it to the idea of this book is that he, he, he doesn't make it complicated. He goes and teaches in the temple and does all that kind of stuff, but he just starts walking around in the area that he's in, noticing what uh, stuff about the people around him, not focused on himself, but focused on what they're worshiping, what they're doing. Um, and they love to debate in Greek society, and so he said, hey, I got something to talk to you about. And so he, he, 
and he tells them the message. He starts with what is familiar to them, well, somewhat. It's kind of an oxymoron. It's not familiar because it's unknown God, right? But he's worship, he starts with something they're familiar with and works it to his God and says, this unknown God that you worship created all things, and he created us, and he's done all this, this things throughout history in the hopes that we might seek him, that we might reach out to him, that we might find him. He's doing all of this so that we can reconnect to him. And that's what we're called to as Christians, right? To love God with one, if we are asked, why were we created? Jesus tells us, first two commands. Everything else is based on these, to love God and to love one another. For relationships with God and relationships with one another. And first, we need to restore our relationship with God. And as Christians, we are saying that we've done that. Now, we haven't done that. God has done that through Jesus Christ. Right? We have not done anything. We've got to be very careful in churches today because a lot of it's about all about what we do and what we've done. But Paul's saying in this text, it's all what God has done to get us to even to reach out to him. So in Jesus Christ, we have been reconnected. Our relationship with God has been restored. So now... Not to go through the whole timeline of the Bible, but Jesus was crucified, dead, buried, and the third day he rose again, and he's ascended into heaven and sits at the right hand of God. And while Jesus himself, the person, has ascended, he sent his spirit to those who would believe in him. We just got off the series about the Holy Spirit, and those that believe in him, they're regenerated, reborn, reconnected to the Holy Spirit. And so we have become Christ's flesh hands and feet, the body of Christ filled with his spirit. So what does that mean? We're supposed to be doing the work of Christ. Supposed to be going out into the world and proclaiming Christ and sharing Christ. But too many Christians think about Christianity and their faith as self-help, self-improvement. I'm going to go to uh, church a little bit on Sunday I might join a group here and there. I might pop on a Tuesday night occasionally, and I'll become better. And I'm not, that's all, that's all good stuff. Don't get me wrong. But if we're stuck there, then we're not growing. Because ultimately, it's not about us. When we begin to grow in the image of Christ, and our spirit begins to change, then we think less and less of ourselves. When we first come into church and we're, whether at a young age or later in life, we, we need to have our feet washed. We need to be ministered to. We need to grow as disciples and in the image of Christ. But at some point, if we are growing, it will become less and less about us. We still have to keep up our relationship, but we begin to think about others. And too many in the church universal for Christians, it's all about them and their relationship with God. And like Paul says, you should be eating meat by now, but you're still on milk. And if it's still about you and your relationship with God, and it always is, 
But if that's the only thing it is, then you're not growing. At some point, you begin to stop saying, what about me? What about me? You say, what about them? What about those that, oftentimes when I hear people go through, give testimony about um, how they went through a hardship, fighting cancer or death or finances or whatever, and they went through a hard, hardship and they give testimony to their church. Say, I don't know how I would have got through this if it wasn't for my church, if it wasn't for the body of Christ. And I think, amen, that is a strong testimony. And then I think, it hits me, how many people out there in the world are going through this alone? fighting that same battle all by themselves, without the body. And you know who, they, they might be, someone in their family might be battling cancer. Someone in their family might have lost somebody. Somebody in their family might have lost a job and suffering financially. Uh, the, the list is long, especially today. And you know who that somebody might be? The person right next door to you. And you don't know. Because you don't know. Sometimes, as pastors, we, we, we know, I, I know, I'm a, I'm a human. I'm more human than most humans. Definitely more human than most pastors. I know we, we play tricks. Sometimes we, wanna, we hear stuff like, oh, I, I, just, I would study the Bible more, but theology is so confusing and so complicated. You know what I hear? Oh, I really don't want to do that, and that's a good excuse. Or we remember the starfish story we talked of a few weeks ago. Was that last week? A week or two ago? Starfish story? Anybody? Okay. So I so hope they weren't all sleeping. Um, you know, it can see, seem so overwhelming, especially in our world today where the problems and the issues just keep, seem to be getting bigger and bigger. So how can I make a difference? Well, we can't make a difference in the whole spectrum, but we can make a difference to that one. And so it's not that complicated. Christianity, I say this over and over, is not that complicated. It is not rocket science. Jesus tells us what to do. He says, live in these. And it's not about reading the Bible so that we will change. It's about reading the Bible so the Bible changes us. It's it's about fellowshipping with other Christians. It's about prayer. It's staying connected so that the Holy Spirit can change us and mold us and shape us. And and we've laid this out. You know, one of the things it says in the book, what if, maybe it's time to start taking this stuff seriously. And I think it is. And when I say taking this stuff seriously, what am I talking about? First and foremost, our discipleship. Our personal discipleship. And that is, remember, staying connected through the means of grace. So, and we've laid out a simple, and maybe we haven't um, summed it up, and maybe we should, but we've laid out and given you simple tools. Worship every week. Attend it as much as you possibly can. Because there we fellowship with God and one another. And when we do that, we're in the presence of the Spirit. Read scripture every week. Actually, every week does a great job of uh, people say, oh, I don't have time. Well, this takes like two, three minutes of the dwell 
Is it? No, that's my other one. You version dwells in the other one I have. You version. Every day. You don't have to look up anything. You don't have to do anything. You just got to click it. Get on the plan and click it. And it's only two or three minutes, but that's scripture every day. And I'll tell you, two weeks ago, when one of them that was like two minutes long, I've been a pastor, I've been a Christian for a while, I've been a pastor for 22 years. I heard something that just convicted me and just I said, oh my gosh. You know, it was a revelation that I had in that moment. Because I listened to it. So anyway, so we have that. We have prayer. We've given you different prayers, easy prayers to say over and over and over. Um, uh, we, we've, um, have, we have different mission opportunities, service opportunities in and outside the church. We have this. The point is, it's all right there for you. And I don't know how many people are doing it. But I guarantee you, if you just would stick to even just this simple, simple part of it, this simple plan, the most basic thing, it would change your life. So we need to be serious about our discipleship, and then we need to be serious about Jesus' command to go out and to make disciples, to reach the hurting and the lost, to be the light of Christ. We don't have to be the light of Christ in big ways. Just be the light of Christ to those you know, to those next door. You know, as you read through this book, and you can do some of the principles even if you don't have the book, think about your neighbors. And how, how many of them do you know by name? In the book, it gives you like eight, the eight immediate neighbors around you. How many of them do you know by name? And list what you do know about them. That, that'll be very revealing. See, we're called to be neighbors. Remember in the story of the Good Samaritan and in Jesus, they all were trying to justify themselves. It's like, okay, what is the minimum I have to do? Now, who's my neighbor? Because I don't want to have to accidentally be nice to someone else. So what, they were trying to just, and they said, who is the neighbor? He was the one that was the neighbor, that helped him. He said, be a neighbor to somebody. And it's not, you know, we do the, oftentimes you, and it was real popular a few years ago, and I still hear stories about pay it forward, and like somebody would be in a line and they bought somebody's food. That's great. I'm not demeaning that whatsoever. That's a kind act that maybe uh, reached out to somebody today, but that's not what Jesus was talking about. Jesus was talking about sacrificial love and service. See, those that are in the flesh, what we're talking about, when we talk about taking time and effort and sacrifice, it's going to be difficult. Because those that, that live for themselves, this is very complicated and hard. But those who have truly died to themselves, this feeds your spirit and your soul. And I, you know, I'm preaching to all of us here. I'm, I'm the worst when it comes to time for, you know, uh, one of the things I shared that it really spoke to me about the Holy Spirit was that gifts of the Spirit, and I think I shared it up here, gifts of the Spirit 
and fruit of the Spirit are two different things. And you can have gifts of the Spirit and not have evidence of fruit of the Spirit because gifts of the Spirit are given. And so um, when we, when I understood that, I understand that there's times I, I have work mode and I have social pastor mode. And I, I'm confessing here in front of everybody. And my wife knows. She'll call me and she'll, and I'll be, I'm in work mode doing finances or charts or what I don't know, whatever that is. But I'm isolated and I don't have time and I'm impatient. And I don't want to be disturbed. My wife will call me and I'll say, hello. she goes, I'll call you later. All right. She, she, she knows that tone. But there's some times when I'm doing church work and somebody comes in, I'm like, oh, great. I don't do it that animated. Inside, I do. But, but that's me being selfish in my work mode. I got stuff to do. I don't... And then sometimes it's trivial stuff and then I can keep my bad attitude. Other times it's like stuff that someone needed to talk or there was going and I get very convicted. I'm, I'm too busy doing church work. Get out of here. Right? That might be a little strong, but that's kind of what we do sometimes, right? We're too busy to go out and meet our neighbor. And we're not, as you read this book, if you're reading it and as we go along, we're not saying go knock on the door and tell them about Jesus and your relationship. There's a line in the walk to Emmaus in one of the talks that says, make a friend, be a friend, lead a friend to Christ. And so this is, book is about being a little more intentional about living what it is, living out what it is to truly be a neighbor. And it's not metaphoric. It's not to somebody across the, the world. It is to the people right next door to you. We can't say the job is too big when we haven't even done it in our neighborhood. Or we haven't even tried it. As you read this, there's amazing stories about what people found out about each other. And what they had in common and what they were fighting together, what they were struggling with together. And the, the thing that, st that sticks out to me when they come to this new relationship in this new support group, how long had that gone on? And they're right next door, or they're two doors down, or they're across the street. This isn't complicated. It just takes dying to self. Today we live for ourselves. And that's our biggest conflict with the gospel and with our mission as disciples. Because Jesus says, live for others. And the thing is, once we do that, like Paul says, what I thought was important before isn't important at all. It's nothing compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ. And serving him. And when we're serving Christ, when we're loving Christ, how is that seen? Jesus in Scripture says, by loving others. 
So we can talk and proclaim our love for Jesus Christ and, and, and how much we love him and care about him. But if we're not serving our neighbors as he's called us to do and as his spirit will lead us to do, Scripture says that's just lip service. Remember Matthew 25? He says, they came to him and said, when did we serve you? He separated the goats and the sheep, the, the left and the right. He said, those that came to him said, when did, when did we serve you? He said, when you served those that are less fortunate. When you serve those that are in need, those that are hurting, those that are lost, those that are suffering. You served me. Just think about what could happen in this church. What could happen in our community, in your community, if we started taking this stuff seriously. Let us pray. Dear Lord, I thank you for your grace and for your mercy. Lord, I pray that your spirit would fill us individually and collectively as your body that we might be your people, proclaiming the good news of Jesus Christ in our words, but, Lord, in our deeds, first and foremost. One theologian once said, preach Christ, preach Christ, preach Christ, and if you have to, speak. Lord, help us to be those kind of people that preach Christ, not just in word alone, but by our actions and by our deeds and by our service. In Jesus' name, amen.